0: Thank you so much. You love us so well. Uh, You've done. You've done everything. You've provided for us everything we need. Uh, You you make that clear to us in the scriptures. And part of what you provided for us is the scripture. So now, as we turn our attention to your word, we pray. Open up our hearts and open up our minds, or that we might hear from you and commune with you in your word. Speak to us. Encourage us. Instruct us. We pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah and Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Fantastic. All right. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to finish up our study through Matthew chapter 18 as we look very briefly this morning at Jesus's parable of the unmerciful servant. But get, just to get, get us focused and moving, just kind of get us started in this this morning, would you stand with me as you're able to do that? We're going to read together just to get focused and moving. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. If you're with me in the building, I'm going to read the plain text. If you join me in reading the highlighted portions. And if you're participating, worshiping with us from home, just read the text as it pops up there on the screen. We'll read it out loud and share it together. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. This is what the Bible says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord. And you may be seated. Now, last week we looked very briefly for for the third time in this study at Jesus' words in Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17, where Jesus makes it perfectly clear that he expects you to make every possible effort to reconcile With those who sin against you. And clearly, Peter had those words of Jesus in mind when he approached him with this question. The parallels are too obvious. Jesus speaks in verse 15 saying, If your brother sins against you. And Peter comes to him with a question in verse 21 about when my brother sins against me. At that moment, Peter got it. Jesus was talking about forgiveness. Now many Christians think Matthew 18, 15 to 17 is fundamentally about church discipline when actually it's mostly about loving other people well. Loving other people enough to pursue reconciliation with them. See, in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, Jesus wasn't simply presenting a formula for a quasi-judicial church proceedings against some sort of offender. Rather, Jesus was presenting a clarion call to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, that passage, Matthew 18, 15, 17, absolutely does provide a pattern to follow. But if you view it fundamentally as a passage about church discipline, you'll see the goal of it primarily as vindication. Whereas if you view it as Jesus intends for you to view it, as a passage about loving others well, about forgiving and seeking forgiveness, you'll see that the goal in Jesus' mind is restoration of the relationship. Now to be fair, nowhere in Matthew 15, 18, 15-17 does Jesus use the word forgive. But Peter knew that was his point. After all, the reconciliation process that Jesus laid out there, in that process, the clear implication was that the guy was guilty, that he really has sinned against his brother, that he really has done something to cause pain or loss or suffering of some kind. And in listening to what Jesus had to say, Peter apparently got to thinking about the ramifications of it all. Can you imagine Peter standing there starting to think through the people in his own life? And as he began to consider the real-world implications of what Jesus had to say, a question began to form itself in his mind. Just how many times do I have to forgive the same person for the same thing? And knowing that Jesus was really pushing this whole issue, Peter decides to throw out there what he thought was a really big number. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven whole times? Now, I suspect Peter was feeling pretty magnanimous at that moment. After all, lots of people refused to forgive even one time. So you can imagine Peter's shock when Jesus says, i tell you what, let's try that times 70. Forgiveness is central to the gospel message. And forgiveness is central to living the Christian life. And yet the truth is it's so often so hard to do. Peter's very question itself, how many times do I have to do this? makes it clear that sometimes you probably don't want to forgive. Peter's like, okay, 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 I'll forgive, but seriously, how many times? Which raises the very legitimate question. Why is it so often so very hard to forgive other people? I think the answer is because forgiveness always costs you something. And sometimes, it feels like it costs too much. In financial terms, it's pretty clear. If somebody owes you 50 bucks, you know exactly what it's going to cost you to forgive that debt. It's going to cost you 50 bucks. But if somebody deeply hurts your feelings, what does it cost you to forgive that debt? The cost in a situation like that is just as real and sometimes maybe feels more real than dollars and cents. When somebody really, really hurts you, deep down on the inside, it can be hard to forgive that, hard to release that and let it go with absolutely nothing to show in return for it, which, by the way, is exactly what it means to forgive, to release the other person entirely from any obligation to you whatsoever. From any obligation to repay, from any obligation to feel bad, from any obligation to make it up to you. Forgiveness means you say from your heart, you owe me nothing. You owe me nothing in exchange for what you did. You owe me nothing in exchange for the harm or the damage or the hurt you caused me. You owe me nothing. That's what it means to forgive. So often bad things escalate in our lives because somebody thinks, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You insult me, I'm going to insult you back. You embarrass me, you better watch your back. But listen, you cannot retaliate and forgive because they're polar opposites of one another. Forgiveness is saying from the heart, you owe me nothing. And for a lot of people, that's simply more than they're willing to pay. Now, just to be clear, when you forgive your husband for forgetting your birthday, you don't get to keep bringing it back up. You don't get to keep bringing it up to make him feel bad later on. You don't get to bring it up later to make some other point. The Greek word here in the text for forgive comes from the Greek verb afiemi. And it literally means to send away, to send off, to let go or leave behind. That means when you really forgive something, you send it away and you leave it there. You send it away and you do not try to bring it back. You surrender it and your rights to it. You surrender your right to be repaid for it. You surrender your right to stay angry about it. You surrender your right to stay hurt by it. You surrender your right to make them feel bad. You surrender your right to make them feel sorry. You surrender your right to punish them by withholding your affection or your love. Now you can say to somebody who hurts you, I'm not going to talk to you. But in saying that, you are also saying, I do not forgive. So Peter asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus replies, in essence, you forgive as many times as you've been sinned against. Some translations have it as 77 times. Some translations have it as 70 times 7. The point is Jesus is not establishing a number here. Jesus isn't saying 77 or 490 or 326 or 168 or 10,917. Jesus is saying you forgive as many times as you're sinned against. It's not about a specific number. I was in a situation many, many years ago when someone in my life was carrying on in a way that was deeply hurtful to me and my family. They were doing things and saying things that were deeply hurtful to me and my family. And somehow through all of it, they were actually blaming my wife and me for why they were acting the way they were acting and the things they were doing and the things they were saying. And one of the hardest parts of that entire season for me that as, as I would work through that and I, was, and I would pray and I would make sure that I had forgiven and that I was re- authentically loving this person and authentically forgiving them and, and that I had done that, I'd get up the next day and find out they're out there doing it again. And they're right back out it, behaving that way, saying those things, and it would hurt again. And I'd had to go through it again, and I had and I'd, and I'd pray and I would make sure I'd forgiven, I make sure I was loving them, and, and day after day after day after day, I'd work through that process and get up the next day and it hit me in the face with it, again. I, I remember one of the many many times I sat down with him trying to work through this issue, trying to and say, "Listen, I got to tell you this is hard because I'm having to forgive you every day, because you know you're you're just you're continuing to do the things that hurt." But I remember saying. I love you. And I forgive you. And I will never stop loving you. And I will never stop forgiving you if I have to do it again and again and again every day for the rest of my life. And I believe that is precisely what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22. You forgive as many times as you're sinned against, because in the kingdom of God, forgiveness is not optional. You're called to love God, and you're called to love people. And if you're going to love people well, you're going to have to forgive them a lot. That's the name of this message, love forgives a lot. From that point on, Jesus went on to share a parable. Let me just read it to you very quickly. It's Matthew 18, uh, 23 to 35 is what Jesus said. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He be, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold. To repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Two quick thoughts as I close based on this parable first. I want you to notice here in this parable. Take some time to read it this week, but I want you to notice first how Jesus equates forgiveness with the canceling of debts. You owe me nothing that's what it means to forgive and then i also want you to notice here how jesus connects forgiveness with the concepts of having compassion or showing mercy which is fascinating when you think about the fact that forgiveness means you did something bad to me you hurt me you wounded me you offended me you did something wrong to me and jesus says forgiveness means having mercy on them having compassion on them that seems backwards Forgiveness by definition presupposes a genuine offense. Someone has in fact wronged you and now they owe you and you have every right to make them pay. But Jesus says, love and compassion and mercy move you to forgive them. To say, you owe me nothing. And the truth is, the sad truth of the matter is, many sins... Rack up debts that cannot be repaid anyway. When someone breaks your confidence, when someone breaks your heart, when they sully your reputation, when they do something that costs you a a friendship or that costs you a job or that, heaven forbid, that costs you a loved one, how could they ever repay that? If you were to lose your legs to a drunk driver, how could he ever repay that debt? No court settlement will get your legs back. He owes you a debt he can never repay. And that was the situation in Jesus' parable. Jesus tells of a man with an insurmountable debt. A man who owed 10,000 talents. Now the exact amount of this money in today's uh, currency is admittedly a little bit tricky to calculate. I did some research this week. And as best as I can tell, based on the research I did, we're talking about a debt here likely in the billions of dollars. One business professor from Biola University calculated it at over $7 billion. No wonder the servant couldn't repay it. It was unrepayable, which is precisely, I believe, Jesus' point. This guy was toast. There was no way out of the mess he had made until, that is, in verse 27, when the king took pity on him. Literally, when the king was moved with compassion toward him. In other words, the king loved this guy well. He saw him in his helpless and hopeless, miserable, completely earned and uh, uh, self-imposed state. And he had compassion on him. And in his compassion, he forgave him everything. He said, you owe me nothing. The judgment that eventually came on this guy came on him because he then refused to show the same kind of compassion to the people around him. As the king later asked him, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And again, what the king means in this story, what Jesus means in this story, by having mercy is, shouldn't you have forgiven him? Listen, in a broken and a fallen world, if you're going to love others well, you're going to have to forgive them a lot. You're going to have to forgive them often. Forgiveness is a corollary of loving well. It's a manifestation of mercy, an inescapable component of compassion. My second and final thought from this parable this morning is really the big point I think Jesus was making here. You need to forgive other people because you have been forgiven so much yourself. Again, the servant in the story was forgiven a debt he could never have repaid. Perhaps several billion dollars. Nothing anybody owed him was ever going to amount to that. In the same way, God in Jesus has forgiven you far more than you understand. Far more than you can possibly imagine. Far more than you could ever repay. And so the gospel carries on like the gospel was designed to carry on. And you receive love and mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness from God the Father in Jesus. And out of what you've received from Him, you share love and mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness with the people all around you. And here is the conclusion of the chapter and the conclusion of this sermon series. Not just that God wants you to love others well, but that he begins by loving you well first. And out of the goodness of God that you receive in Jesus, you can freely give it to the people around you. Father, as always, we thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. You speak to us so directly. You speak to us so poignantly right to the places where we live. You call us up into your kingdom. You call us to be like you, to be holy as you are holy. And when we fail and fail and fail, you forgive and forgive and keep on calling. Father, we love you, and we want to love others well. Help us be a people of compassion and mercy and grace and forgiveness. And may we share what you have freely given to us, freely, with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.